0: Come, Jesus, light of the world, and lighten these words, lighten our hearts this morning. Amen. Well, Advent's on its way, and good morning to those of you who are at home, as well as those of you who are in here, and we are being enlightened already through the windows here, I hope, today, but I do ask that this morning, as we consider what the light of the world is, that we just enter into what God speaks into our hearts this morning. I don't know whether you have a truth teller in your life. Uh, I have a truth teller in my life. Uh, that truth teller is actually sitting just here, is my wife, poof and with her permission this morning, I'm going to embarrass her just a little Uh, with a story or two that come from the world of rich and poof, and hopefully help us to understand a little bit more about the light. Um, Also, uh, a little later, if you have a Bible, uh, you might want to switch it on and have it opened at uh, chapter 3 of John um, for a little bit later when we do pick through that reading a little bit more. So going back to the world of rich and poof, uh, we met in Nottingham. And uh, my wife, the truth teller, someone who is unabashed and unafraid to tell the truth, in fact, almost, you might say, can't help herself but to tell the truth when the truth needs to be told. One might call her a brave woman. I don't know if you've seen the film Knives Out, those Daniel Craig fans, uh, 007 fans uh, in the room here. No spoiler alert here, but it was his last outing as, as James Bond. And uh, no spoiler alert there, we're okay. Um, but if you crave a bit more Daniel Craig, you might want to watch the film Knives Out. It's a great sleuth movie, very humorous. And there's a character in it called Marta played by Anna de Armas, and she has a particular condition, which means she's got to tell the truth. She can't tell a lie. If she tells a lie, she is physically sick, and they employ that device to hilarious effect throughout the film. Now, um, Poov isn't afflicted by that particular condition, um, but nonetheless, she just has to speak the truth. She can't tell a lie, uh, when it comes to that. And sometimes that has unintended consequences. So uh, as an example, we, we were in the middle of Nottingham when we first met, uh, and there was a very gaudy flower display that some enlightened council official had decided looked good when it really didn't. Uh, and on rounding the corner into this square and seeing this gaudy display, issued the truth-teller's words. Oh, those flowers are disgusting! at exactly the moment that a woman had just walked out of the florist with a really nice bunch of flowers right in front of her. Oh, those flowers are disgusting. And it was as if time sort of stood still for a moment. And looking at the faces of this poor woman who wondered what was wrong with her flowers. Poove, of course, was only looking at the gaudy flower display, turned on a heel and walked off in the opposite direction. So it can have unintended consequences, but when intentionally employed, truth-telling brings a light. It's a massively powerful device, a massively powerful thing. And I stand here 25 years later with my wife to Tell you about the uh, just that little story um, that led me to marry Poof, and it was because of her truth telling. So, Nottingham University, you may or may not know, has a ratio of male to female that's very heavy on the female side. So, if you're a male there, you might expect to receive a little more attention than the normal male anywhere else, maybe, uh, and of course. While I was there, I had started dating Poof, but there was another girl on the course who actually had her, had her eye on me, uh, possibly more, I don't know. I mean, I was once the dish of the day. <laughs> Chris, I know, that's hard to believe. But once it happened. Uh, however, uh, this other young woman had got uh, two concert tickets, one for herself and one for me and she knew I was dating Poof, but invited me nonetheless to come to this concert with her, exclusive of my then-girlfriend. And I said to Poof, oh, I'm going to go to that concert. I can't even remember who it was now, but I'm going to go to that concert. It'd be great. And Poof got very pensive, and I could feel the truth-teller moment coming on. And it, it came a little later that day when she walked through the front door of her house, and, and before she let me in, she said, Richard, she says, look, I've just got to say something to you. She said, look, you know that girl likes you, and I want you to go and enjoy that concert. You know, go ahead, enjoy it. But look, if you do, we probably ought to say goodbye here, and you better go, because I'm not up for that. You know, if, it's, if we're going to have any kind of relationship, then I'm just not up for that. She told me the truth. And at that moment, it was like a light shone into my darkness. And I looked at Poov, and that was my decision. I knew I wanted to marry this woman. Somebody who would never compromise Somebody who would stand with what was true and what was real. And 25 years later, here we are, having done the whole marriage thing and uh, kids and, you know, it's been a beautiful and blessed life. And I thank God for it. Began with a moment of letting the light shine, with the truth teller telling the truth. And the light is like that. So we're studying this is Jesus over these next few talks, and this one is about Jesus, the light of the world. This is Jesus, a truth teller, the light that exposes everything in the darkness and maybe exposes things for us that aren't right in our lives if we let it. what I'd like to do, actually, is just pick through that story in John in a slightly different way. Um, There are a a number of uh, people who have studied John for many years now, people far more able than I, reverend doctors like Rich Johnson, uh, who have poured through these words uh, and, and understand them much better than I do. But there are some commentators who think that John was written in a very different way to the other three synoptic gospels. The three synoptic gospels all written 60, 70 AD, uh, all written uh, to literally get the story down in writing. But John's gospel seems to be significantly different. Um, Some commentators believe that it was written actually as a play. Uh, It's got a a, a prologue and an epilogue and and dialogues all the way through and it seems to take the form of an uh, something that was delivered um, by voice and not something that was written down, not until 90 AD, a bit later. Uh, it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, An in, in illiterate, largely illiterate population of people, nobody was going to read a book if you wrote it down anyway. Um, so something that was spoken. So what I'd quite like to do, if I can, is, is a bit experimental, this. Uh, And I can see Rich shifting uncomfortably in his seat uh, as I say those words. It's a bit experimental. I'm going to try and improvise a little bit um, in proper, authentic, first-century Johannine fashion. Uh, We're going to just improvise it as a bit of a conversation. And so when I stand like this, I'm Nicodemus. And when I stand here, I'm Jesus. Uh, For those of you at home, on on the camera, just make that clear. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, Jesus. Okay, let's give it a go and see where we go. And you can follow through in your Bibles. Now, what I'm going to try to do here is to try to say some of the things that Nicodemus and Jesus aren't reported as having said some of the things that just might fill in a little bit of the context and give the conversation a a little bit more flavor. So, um, hi. Uh, Hi, Jesus. I'm Nicodemus. Uh, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a pretty important guy, to be honest. Uh, My family are wealthy. Uh, People kind of like me, or so they tell me. Um, It's good to meet you. And... um, The already improvisation—it it doesn't work, does it? Not—not uh, not when I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, keep glancing at my notes, so I'll just try to be authentic and carry on. So, um, hi Jesus. Look, I—I really like what you're doing. Um, I'm sorry about coming by night, but you'll get it right. Uh, political stuff. I've got lots to lose. Um, influential person. You get it right. Sorry about the whole nighttime thing, but you know. Well, um, thanks, Nicodemus, uh, I think. Uh, not so much the nighttime thing. Uh, a bit insulting, really, if you think about it, but uh, well, you're here. Yeah, so um, I'm here because I'm a Pharisee, and we, the Pharisees, we think. That you come from God, uh, you do come from God, right? Okay, we think you. are. We love what you're doing. Well, uh, actually, I love what you're doing. Great, exciting. I love what you're doing. Um, the other guys, though, <laughs> yeah, they're not really all that sure. Well, you have got to have uh, you have got to have sort of spiritual eyes for this stuff to see this stuff, Nicodemus. Um, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born from above. You've got to be born anew. A bit embarrassing, really, but a biology check? Uh, When a a mummy and a daddy who love each other very, very much. No, 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 scratch that. You can't be born twice. It's not a thing. Okay, well, here's the thing. You actually need spiritual eyes to see this stuff. If you haven't got spiritual eyes, you won't see, you'll only ever see what the flesh sees. You'll only ever see what this body sees. You've got to have spiritual eyes for it. And if you have spiritual eyes for it, and if you're born from above, born by the Spirit of God, then you will see what we're doing. Uh, we, that is, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you'll see what we're doing. You got it? Uh, no, not, not really. Okay, um, I thought you said you were a teacher of Israel. Look, surely you've got to know that this is the Spirit of God. You know, that spirit that, in Hebrew, ruach, that ruach that was present right at the beginning, that hovered over the waters, that was pregnant with the dynamic power of God that was going to burst forth and everything you see around you was going to be created. That spirit, the, the breath of God, the ruach, the breath of God that breathed life into the nostrils of the human, the humans, the Adam, that's mentioned in Genesis, you know, that brought spiritual awakening? No? Okay, the, the ruach, the wind of God that kind of passes through every generation of Israel's history and keeps putting signposts in place through the prophets and through signs and symbols and wonders so that you can see what God's doing. That spirit, Yeah. Uh, Okay, uh, I'll tell you what that spirit's doing right now. There's a new sign on the way. That sign, it's the Son of Man. He's going to be raised up. And if the Son of Man is raised up, then all people get drawn to this Son of Man, this Son of God, this symbol that God's going to do. A bit like Moses back in the day. Exodus happens, Moses comes out of Egypt with all the people, they're in the desert, desert, and in the desert there are poisonous snakes, and they're biting people, and they say, Moses, how do we get over this? And he says, well, all you need to do is look at this bronze snake that we've made that's on a staff up here, if you look at that, we're going to raise it up, and if you look at it and only believe, then the poisonous snake bite won't get you got it okay a bit like the serpent in the garden that serpent that bit humans and its poison still infects us today we just can't help ourselves we're infected by this sin and uh, uh, humans are infected by this sin and that bite Uh, the son of man by being raised up if you look at the son of man the poison from that bite—it won't get you. Got it? Oh, ah, uh-huh. oh, the serpent. Oh, the garden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah—the the, the poison thing. The the. Uh, no, I haven't got it at all. Just not at all. Okay. Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. Okay, I'm just going to tell you simply and straight, how's that? And at this point in John, commentators think actually, John 15, that that's where the paragraph stops. Uh, And that actually what comes next, verse 16 onwards, is actually, if you like, a post-edit, like um, John reading through that back to himself and deciding, I need to say some more of what Jesus said or elucidated it a little more. And we get this next section that tries to clarify it and make it really simple. And in fact, we get probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, John 3.16, which reads, as you will know, Jesus speaking again to Nicodemus, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life light come into the world Nicodemus the truth teller is here the son of God and this son of God doesn't condemn anyone light doesn't do that Darkness isn't a thing, light's a thing. Darkness is just the absence of light. If you bring light into it, it will expose what's in the darkness. I am not here to condemn you, but the light will expose the good and the bad, everything. That's what the light does. It's what the truth teller does. And this is the condemnation. This is the judgment on people. It's not that I bring it. It's that people would rather sit in their darkness. They would rather stay in the corner. They would rather stay out of the light. They can see the light, but they would rather stay out of it. And there we end the conversation with Nicodemus, never knowing really what his response is except that we do hear of Nicodemus again twice in John. One where he's defending Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, and another time when he's helping Joseph of Arimathea to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. So it does seem that he got there in the end, but he certainly didn't at this moment. We don't know how this conversation ends. The synoptic gospels don't talk about Nicodemus, there is a story in the Synoptic Gospels that's something like this. It's the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and said, how must I be saved? And Jesus says, well, you just keep the law. And he says, well, I've done that since I was a lad. Jesus said, well, and it's dead easy. You only need to do this really simple thing. You wealthy young ruler, take all the money you've got, give it to the poor and come and follow me. That's simple. And the young ruler left sad because he couldn't do it. Maybe that was the story of Nicodemus. Jesus was also sad. And Whether it's the story of Nicodemus or not, there's something consistent in that story about Jesus. And how I like to think Jesus responds to Nicodemus here. Jesus said, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The eye of a needle being the small gate by the side of a large gate in an ancient city wall. A large gate here is always bolted for security reasons. But if a camel and somebody wants to come to market with a laden camel, you open that big door, the person goes through the eye of the needle, the camel goes through the big gate, and then you lock it up again. The camel can't go through the eye of the needle. It's too small. Well, at least that is if the camel is all laden up with its baggage. But I like to think that if you stripped a camel down of all its baggage, they're about yay high and they're about this wide, you'd get them through the eye of a needle. And I think this is Jesus' point. Just leave your baggage outside. It's the only way. You might have very little baggage. You might be poor. So it's easier for you to leave your baggage outside and come through. You're not losing much. But if you've got stacks of baggage built up over years and all the wealth of a generation and whatever, then it's really tough. And the disciples said to Jesus at that time, well, then which one of us can be saved? It's, and Jesus said, it's actually impossible. You can't. It's impossible for you because of your baggage. But with God, all things are possible. And later then, when we read the stories of Nicodemus, he does seem to be getting there. I start seeing how it's possible That we, with all our baggage and all our darkness and all that we love in our hearts, that we can't seem to get rid of. And as we sit here this morning in a gathering, and actually it's quite uncomfortable if you allow this light in, especially if you know you've got baggage. It's uncomfortable because you know what God's calling you to do with that baggage leave it outside. Don't bring it in. You can't bring it in. It's uncomfortable. It's not a great place to be. So, this morning, I think we're being invited to consider that again in our own lives, in our own hearts. What is my baggage? this is jesus he is the light of the world he does expose everything within us if we let him the beauty of it is that if we let him we see nothing but blessing on the other side i've had 25 wonderful years of marriage because of a truth teller and my choice to be obedient to that truth. If this morning you are somebody who sees the light, it shines in, it looks beautiful, you want to go and step into it, but you know you got baggage in the corner, then please don't leave the gathering without allowing somebody to pray with you about that it's not about exposing you before everyone but it is about exposing your heart before God so don't leave this gathering if you know there's something in your heart that is not right before God God is calling you to leave your baggage outside So I'm going to do two things right now, if I may, just to finish up. The first is to pray a short prayer for us all. And secondly, we're going to listen to a piece of music. I thought it'd take us back old school. We'd go to uh, the Victorian uh, Stainer. Is it John Stainer? Who wrote some, a piece of music called The Crucifixion, and within it, is what I think is one of the best renditions ever of John 3.16, For God So Loved the World. And we're going to reflect on our baggage. We're going to reflect on what God has done for us and this section of conversation with Nicodemus through listening to that. Uh, But before we do, may I just pray this prayer. Jesus, light of the world, come. Expose the darkness in our lives. Jesus, light of the world, guide our feet towards your kingdom of love and hope and peace. Jesus, light of the world. Bring courage to our faint hearts to do what is right. Jesus, light of the world, save us from our own darkness. Jesus, light of the world, come. Be welcome through our ordered lives in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen